Joshua Phelps. Do you go by Joshua or Josh? Josh is fine. Either one, though. Okay. Um, well, it's great to meet you. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's just been you're 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 kind of like a Marvel character when I read your when I read about. <laughs> it. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting. And can you can you um, before we get into your story because we will and this is for different audiences and they'll see them in different times. But sure. before we get into that, can you can you kind of recap why why we talk to each other to begin with? Yeah, um, I, I don't remember how I came to to follow you on Twitter. I, I think just mutual friends, acquaintances, and you know, I, I was up one night probably drinking coffee, sc scrolling, and I, I saw you post something about your academy, um, and I just thought it sounded so cool. And then I, you know, I drilled into a higher runner, and and you know, we're looking looking at, at that account too, and just thought, well, you know, if there if there is anything I, I have to offer to some of these folks, um, whether it be in the academy or folks that you work with that your companies or hire runner, I, I would love to offer that. And just <clears throat> taking the, the notes um, on what you're doing as far as inclusivity, it reminded me a lot of during the pandemic, um, sort of the, the tack we took to make sure in the communities that we helped set up to feed each other during the pandemic that we were paying attention to that too. And that was one of the, the things I think I'm most proud of, of our work during the pandemic and, you know, going into communities with rich histories of activism like Oakland and DC and, and making sure that we weren't just coming in as the large nonprofit behemoth, you know, um, and supplanting what others had built and instead, you know, embracing the, the connections that were already there and helping to grow in some cases these grassroots organizations and I, I just thought um and then we we dm'd and you know it was I was very humbled um to to chat with you over dm and and that you thought maybe there would be an interesting story there and um yeah so that that's how we connected yeah I, I thought it was so cool that you wanted to you essentially said to me I have this really you know you didn't you didn't call it interesting I I, I assume you're I'm, I'm getting this fact that you're, you're, um, what is the word, humble, but you like have this interesting background. If it can be helpful to anybody, I would like to do that in, in a business setting um, and you, the education setting. So for people who are not either familiar with the organization that you work for, or just want like a recap of it, other than what they'll see outside of this, what organization did you work at and what was your role? Sure. Um, I worked for World Central Kitchen, uh, an NGO started uh, way back in 2010, actually. Um, it's founded by Chef Jose Andres. Um, and he saw a disaster, you know, the, the earthquake in Haiti. And, and as a chef, he he said, look, I, I, I need to be there. I need to be boots on the ground. Um, he ended up going down to help after that feeding folks uh, started a cooking school, which still endures to this day. Um, and then, you know, that was going on for seven years and then, uh, Hurricane Maria happened in Puerto Rico and, the, you know, same thing. He saw people were eating MREs and he said, I'm a chef. I know there's food on that Island. I'm going to go and connect with the folks there, the chefs, the, the people, the grocery stores and, and just start cooking. And so that's sort of his ethos, right. Is to be in the mix, be on the ground and, and help people right there, um, at the point of where these disasters have been happening. And I, uh, you know, there's been now World Central Kitchen has served hundreds of millions of meals across, you know, the globe. 
Um, and then many, you know, during the pandemic, its own sort of disaster, which, you know, we'll get into, but, um, I had a, I had a friend who lived in Puerto Rico. And so I said, I got to do something and I'm not a chef. I went down there. I found where world central kitchen was and, you know, I chopped up some things. I mopped the floors. I was a volunteer and, um, it was a rich experience. And then a, a friend of mine who runs a travel group, um, uh, El Camino, we, some of her group, I organized a trip for them. And so I said, you know, I really like doing this. At the time I was working in the pharma industry um, in research for uh, early phase oncology drugs. And um, and I just said, I, this is really making, you know, my heart feel full. And then not long after that, a volcano went off in Guatemala, Volcan Fuego. And um, I had a I had some experience there. There's a gentleman um, in DC who run. Uh, Brian Weaver runs a group called Hoop Sagrado, and they take kids off DC streets in the summer to Guatemala. Many of these folks never left their block, you know, we'll get them passports and everything and get down there and they study Spanish in the morning um, and they can get school credit for that back in DC or some, some of the older kids can get job credit because in the afternoon we go into these indigenous villages um, and teach basketball camps. And that's really gives a lot of perspective to the kids um, who haven't seen anything like that, you know, and, and a lot of them have, are living hard lives themselves. And, you know, they, they sort of bridge that, um, you know, their experience to the experience of these children also living in, the, in these villages. Yeah, I would imagine, I would imagine it would be a learning, learning curve, but not as much as we would hope. Uh, hmm. And so this is a, a group that you worked with that then became part of chefs well they just it's just the reason i went to guatemala i said well because oh. i just said oh well i've been to guatemala eight times in my life and so let me go volunteer there and i just showed up and stayed there for about you know six to eight weeks i was a volunteer and then i, I sort of made that transition to a contractor they said oh this guy keeps showing up let's cover his hotel let's give him a little little change and then that year there was, you know, uh, Hurricane Florence, there was uh, Hurricane Michael, and um, World Central just started to realize that let's start hiring some of these folks who keep showing up. Um, and that's what I did. I got hired as a, as a manager. And then as we grew, um, I think we were between probably eight to 10 people at that point. And when the time I left, it was, it was 80 plus. Mm -hmm. um, I was promoted to director, but, um, you know, a lot of it, was just stepping through that door that when it opened for me, you know, and switching careers and, and, you know, it, it made me think about the, the story I think you posted yesterday, the day before about somebody just signing up for a day gig somewhere and it led to full-time employment. And that's, that sort of made me feel about how my story is and how some of the folks we hired during the pandemic have become uh, full-time employees of world central kitchen. So I, I thought that was a nice yeah you know, pretty analogous. And then, so yeah, just, we, we just started to grow. Um, we, we're pretty much consider World Central Kitchen considers itself now a climate relief organization because a lot of the things happening that World Central responds to are, are you know, now undeniably um, due to climate change, especially yeah. in the Gulf, you know, so. Didn't uh, Jeff Bezos give you all uh, some sort of donation? He did, he did. You know what? He's uh, he land the day he landed the last rocket launch. I think it was the one his brother was on with him too. He landed and he gave a hundred million dollars um, to us, and then to I think some of the organizations run by Van Jones, and then 
Um, yeah, so that was, you know, and, and then that was just announced um, by our development team as sort of the kickstart, uh, you know, a $1 billion climate fund, you know, just reach for the stars because we see, you know, the damage that's happening in these communities. We see what the money that we're raising and then spending back in the communities. And it's going to take, um, it's going to take a lot to, to, you know, help folks over, over the next 10 years. Um, Cause every yeah. year there's more fires, there's more hurricanes. I mean, that's just the fact that now we know it, we're going to have to figure out hopefully how to, how to slow it down, but also how to help people when they need it. So. Yeah. Cause it's, it's very interesting. I think that point of like, you're going in and you're being the, the sort of on the ground responders in a, in a, in a triage situation mm-hmm. of a much larger, it's a symptom of something much larger. And if you were to only focus on how do we make sure we have enough pots and pans and cooking you know, items and food and never got to the actual thing that was causing it, you would just be doing this forever and ever and ever. So it's quite interesting. Did you always feel, I mean, you say it, and I'm sure you've had interviews and, you know, talked about it before, but you say it as, a, as if it's quite normal to just pick up one day and, and you know, take supplies to another place and, and start working. Did you, did you always feel that way? Was it all of a sudden that something happened in your life? Like, what do you think was that, was that um, causation? Yeah, I mean, you know, at the time, I think what World Central Kitchen does and was doing, it was just so different than a lot of other aid organizations, right, who, um, you know, might not be on the ground for a week or two, a lot of meticulous planning and doing things from afar. And I just, something that World Central did, which was show up as soon as possible, or in the case of hurricanes, some would say stupidly, but it's worked out so far before, because that's mm-hmm. one thing you can plan for. That's how that it, last year. You yeah, always, so yeah. We'll, we'll wait it out, you know, be as safe as we can. And and to me, that that allowed us um, one good, I mean, a good example of just that, why that worked is for Hurricane Florence, which um, hit Wilmington, North Carolina, um, and ended up, you know, going through North Carolina as far, I mean, it went, the rains and everything were as far as you could get in Western North Carolina, but basically, that Hurricane Florence happened, we had already dropped um, generators and, uh, you know, just truckloads of food from our vendors, you you know, beforehand. And after the hurricane passed, a lot of other groups, their trucks and everything were staged as far away as Charlotte. But the river had had risen. And, uh, you know, I forget the name of the the main river, but it blocked I-40, which is the main road through Carolina. So, for a week and a half, two weeks, we were the only organization that really were cooking food. And so, you know, just that sort of um, just drive to, to be, to be early and fast and meet people like where the disaster is happening. Um, There's a need, there's an all, the needs change very quickly throughout, you know, the sort of cycle after a disaster, but the, the immediate need for food is always there, especially if, you know, the power's out, um, you got to figure out solutions for, you know, food storage and that you want to use the food that's on the ground and you want to work with, you know, the local chefs and everything who know how to cook and sort of bring mm-hmm. them under your banner. And so um, it was just different. Like, you know, I've, and one, one, one analogy I used to say is like, I think people can and should donate to the American Heart Association, but you're never going to be able to go do a heart surgery. But 
you know, you don't have to be a chef to volunteer with World Central Kitchen. Like I said, my first thing I did was sweep the floor um, mm -hmm. and you can mm -hmm. donate. I mean, obviously donations are always welcome anywhere, but you really, if, if, if you want to volunteer, um, you know, you can be a part of that. And that was special to me too, right? I was yeah. able to really get in there and, you know, listen to people. You find when you're after disaster, a lot of people just want to talk. They just want someone to listen to them and you can provide, and, and they'll open up when you have a hot meal also. That's another way to sort of get people to talk about what else they might need. And okay, this, this, you know, we don't provide diapers, we have, we've set up, you know, community centers for that, but like, okay, now this person is opening up to me, we're sharing a meal together and they're going to tell me what they need. And then I can go to the Red Cross or some other group and say, Hey, look, there's these people, they need something in this community. Um, you know, so it just, just the way food opens, opens up, especially a plate of food that, you know, we've always prided ourselves on cooking the local cuisine, right. Um, and our chefs, mm -hmm. That's right. So you you all aren't because uh, you you mentioned the acronym earlier. I was going to ask you about MRE. Is that what you said? Yeah, like meals ready to eat. Meals ready. So what I've seen is some some really nice food that you all are are putting out there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you know we have chefs on staff. Um, founder is a chef. Uh, a lot of the folks uh, in our organization are chefs. And but you know it takes it takes more than a, an organization, right? With, with between eighty and hundred people to do all this work. So when we land in a community, um, we're talking to okay, who who you know most of the time before we even get there because of the Twitter presence of the of the organization itself and Jose and our CEO Nate Book, people know and people reach out or we reach out to people. So who do we know on the ground? Who's a chef that we can work with and make sure we're serving food that, you know, is healthy, but also comforting. Like what, what mm -hmm. type of, you know, if we're in new Orleans, we want to serve the food, you know, they got a rich cultural history of so many different kinds of food in new Orleans and what can we serve there. And um, so that, I think knowing, you know, what we don't know, um, when we go into a place and sort of deferring to the to the local, whether it be chefs or local community based organizations is, is one way also that, you know, struck me as sort of a different way to, to provide aid to folks and working with the local mutual aid communities and things like that. And you mentioned, I think you mentioned that you're no longer uh, either at the organization or in the same role. Is that something that's very specific or you're going to put your cape back on if you see something else happen? <laughs> I would love to, you know, continue always to volunteer with World Central Kitchen. I just, at the time, you know, we had, we had hit this just sort of stride. We're building these templates, um, you know, two, two women um, who were my uh, direct reports when I was a director were promoted to managers and it just felt, you know, like the right time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I gave probably two, maybe three months notice. And in that time I was in Haiti, I was in New Orleans, I stayed busy, but um, just, just super proud of the work. And then one thing that uh, I got, you know, not the knowledge I got with World Central Kitchen was just it being exposed to so many other amazing grassroots organizations. So, I mean, I, I've lived in DC for the last 15 years, but I, I'm out in LA right now, just sort of resetting and figuring out what's next. I've last two weekends, I've volunteered without serving, um, you know, giving produce boxes to farm workers. I've caught up with some of the folks over at Homeboy Industries. I'm just sort of getting the lay mm. of the land and, and, you know, just really enjoying a little bit of time in one place because, World Central Kitchen, I mean, I was on the road probably 
yeah. 80% of the year. So, you, you, you might know. like a, a portfolio company of backstages uh, called Gooder. You might already know about them. G-O-O. I saw it on there. I saw it on, yeah. Yeah, the, and it kind of reminded me too. So Jasmine Crow, before she started Gooder officially, what she would do is she would have meals for homeless people locally. And she would put out a table with, uh, you know, a tablecloth and setting, and she would make a menu. And said, so, you know, to me, that was this amazing uh, creative way to show showcase dignity. Yes. And it was just beautiful. And that turned into this and she kept doing it. And now she um, saves, I don't know how many tons of uh, food that was about to be thrown away every year through her company, which is a for-profit company and um, just kind of amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna have to dig a little deeper. It sounds like they're doing a, in the food food rescue space. Which yes, is exactly. I mean, and, I'd love to introduce y'all because I just think there's something there for sure, in one way or another. Yeah. Um, speaking of y'all, where are you from? I'm from Newport News, Virginia, Southeast Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And and so, would you say? I mean, I'm I'm thinking of all the different types of people listening to this, and for various mm-hmm. reasons. And I know, you know, I I, I want to talk a little bit in a second about building things, especially with the pandemic and kind of, you know, having maybe having everything fall apart and rebuilding it because you've certainly seen that time after time. Mm-hmm. But I also want to speak to just real briefly again to the people who are like there's a spark now with them just in these few minutes, they're thinking, okay, you're right. I don't have to be a surgeon to volunteer my time, you know, in in Mm -hmm. the medical space. What, what does someone do? Like, is it better for an organization, for instance, a volunteer organization for you to show up or is it better for you to plan ahead? Like how usually what is the the better for that organization? Well, so with World Central Kitchen, I think um, it's a little bit of both, right? Right. When we would land somewhere after, you know, let's use New Orleans as an example, um, there for by one thing I really liked about it is to have our volunteers be local um, because a lot of times people are looking for something to do. Maybe they don't have power. They lost their house, but to take their mind off that and get some catharsis, they want to help other people. So um, I think initially that is what uh, we look for, or we, mm-hmm. you know, I say we are not there anymore, but, you know, World Central looks for. And and then, um, so we'll land on the ground with a, a team, staff people. And then also we have a lot of amazing sort of return contractors and maybe they are independent chefs or they run their own business. They do something, but they've got experience with us. They can, they, they run, they can leave, they can get on the ground, they can get on a, a plane or you know, pick up a refrigerated truck in Alabama to drive to Florida because there's, you know, there's none in Florida because something happened, you know, it was a mm-hmm. hurricane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we sort of, you know, are able to do that initial staffing and then leave the spots open for locals to volunteer. So I think, um, you know, that is is just a great way, one, to just also if you're in the Gulf, you're going to be in these places, unfortunately, many times over, over the years. And you sort of, you build out um, the volunteer, um, what would you call it? Like kind of systems and protocols. And, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. what we have. And so we've built out, you know, everybody, um, one of our, one of our um, 
hires last year and two years ago josh balzer brought Airtable into the organization and now everyone's sort of <laughs> learning to become masters of air of Airtable, and you know and it's been awesome and so we were, we're you know having our volunteers in there our contractors and building out yeah. all these systems and so now you're able to tap into that if you return somewhere but you know always looking for to give somebody uh new an opportunity um and then though you have the 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 cases and like you know the Bahamas, where that's just not an easy place for someone to get to, like after Hurricane Dorian. So, you know, you have your folks who you find who are willing to make their way there and said, look, if you can make your way here, we'll find something for you to do. And what will often happen is, you you know, the people who keep showing up, you said, okay, look, um, will you, if you're going to, will you stay here for two weeks? Because we'll hire you as a contractor then, you know, you've, you've shown um the heart and, and the dedication and, and let's let's make it you know let's make something official and that's how a lot of folks get involved for the longer term and then also during the pandemic get, yeah. get hired so i think um you know showing up it's a mix of both it's a, to show up that's great but also if you're if, we will put out a call for local volunteers every mm-hmm. time and that'll go out you know via the, the wck uh twitter or jose and it's going to get a lot of traction. So yeah. it's a mix. So it's interesting that, you know, when you think about volunteering and, and this isn't really a call for people to go get jobs, but this is to think about, again, the different audiences that are listening. One of those audiences is my podcast, which is your first million. And we, th- we talk about all kinds of ways you can work and runner is one mm-hmm. of those things. And if you think about like pairing your passion and helping people and your skills that are not necessarily the exact thing the company, the organization does. Nonprofit doesn't mean no salary sometimes, you know, so you can parlay volunteering into something if that is your wheelhouse and something that, that drives you, it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, I, um, there's a gentleman, his name is Amir Natson and we worked with him. We met him in Newark and he's a chef and a great chef and does a lot of private chefing and stuff, but also was doing a community project. And we enlisted him to serve meals, you know, in Newark, in in Elizabeth and Irvington. And we called up uh, recently, you know, because I saw on Twitter, he's opening up, you know, 9,000 square foot, you know, uh, kitchen incubator space. And, and we talked and you know, you talked about that spark, like he's somebody who was, you know, doing doing amazing things at the community level. And then just sort of when we enlisted him to do meals, um, paid him to serve in his community, you know, during the pandemic, it just he, he said, you know, it's it sparked me to I want to pass this on and I want to grow this now into something that, you know, I don't I don't I'm not sure if it's a nonprofit, but it's a business incubator. He wants to bring other people in, teach them how to run businesses. Maybe, you know, he said his dad got him a hot dog cart when he was 11. And then he's built up his, you know, interest in, in chefing since then. And he wants to do that for the next person. Maybe somebody has a hot dog cart. Well, they'll go into his incubator and then they'll leave and they'll have a brick and mortar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So those are the kind of stories that I love to hear. Um, you know, we're not saying coming out of the pandemic because we're still in it, but, you we're know, this was all happening pre-vaccine, right? So everything was just like even, you know, just a little more tense and people were still inside and no one really knew what, what mm-hmm. was coming. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, yeah, it definitely doesn't mean, you know, nonprofit doesn't mean non-salary. And, and there's just so many organizations in every city, um, you know, 
doing so many good things. And a lot of them present the opportunity because they want to grow um, to join on the early side, right? And then you can grow mm-hmm. along with that nonprofit. I mean, a lot of a lot of nonprofits, you know, as you know, start with somebody who one person is is the CEO, the head of development, you know, and as you grow, that, that can't be. You have to bring on other people to, to help. So yeah. and I've, I've seen that like sort of in, in hyperspeed over the last couple of years because of, of just the pandemic has, has forced a lot of in, you know, ingenuity, if I'm, if I'm pronouncing that the right way and people you just are, yes. figure, figuring yeah. it out. Um, yeah. yeah. And I don't want to get political because there's no need, but uh, uh-huh. to me, this isn't political necessarily. Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion of vaccination? Cause you mentioned it just before. Do you have an opinion of it when it comes to like the people who go through disasters and the people who show up to volunteer and kind of, to me, it would be, please get vaccinated because you're putting people in harm and I'm seeing mm-hmm. it in front of me. But do you have an opinion either way? Yeah. So, um, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, the you know, with World Central Kitchen, uh, I never stopped traveling during the pandemic. Um, and once vaccines became available, uh, we, we made it so that if you were going to travel and you were going to and going into these communities and just the safest, the safest bet is to be vaccinated. You don't want to be bringing, you know, you know, a lot of the places that we go. I mean, when I, vaccines weren't in Haiti yet when I was there and they're still barely there now. And, and it's a shame. And, and that's a whole nother story. But, you know, the, the, the least we could do is be vaccinated. So we're not going in there and bringing, you know, an, a new strain or variant. And then also, you know, um, one thing we got to do in St. Vincent and the Grenadines there's a lot of folks there who just don't trust vaccinations and stuff. And there was a big volcano there uh, in the spring of last year. And at the kitchen, we said, uh, you know, the, those drivers who were driving the food around and people working in the kitchen, we, we gave them, um, we instituted a, you know, testing policy, but we, we organized, we gave people the opportunity to get vaccinated and, you know, sort of try and try educate people and things. So, but for, for staff wise, yeah, I mean, if, if, if you were going to contract with us um, or volunteer in a close space, we were requiring once once they were widely available, we were requiring, you know, same thing cities are doing if you want to go to a restaurant and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I apologize if anybody can hear it in the background. I have some noise, but um, it yeah, to me. So, again, it's not political. There's all kinds of places we can go with that. It's just more it's just yeah. interesting from someone who lands in a place, has a job to do, is helping untold number of people mm-hmm. and the last thing you want to be worried about is am i giving somebody something are they getting am i getting that so i can't do this again next time right you know be sick and held up yeah yeah i mean that's exactly i mean that's the thing too and also a lot of countries um especially you know in the south pacific or right now uh, I know World Central's evaluating response over in Tonga after the recent. Yes. Uh, you know they haven't had a lot of COVID because they. Well, like, they haven't had any. They I haven't had any. That. I saw like they had been able to avoid it completely until, right now. Exactly yeah. right, and, yeah. and and you know they got the the big countries over there, uh, New Zealand, Australia, and everything. I mean that's a, that's a debate, you know. In New yeah. Zealand, New yeah. Zealand did a great job. I mean yeah. <laughs> they did on their yeah. own too for for a large place, but like. You know, we one good example, though, um, of how we've been able to help in a place like like the Philippines, which just had a recent, you know, large typhoon. They get a lot of them. Um, mm. They they 
are very strict with COVID and doesn't matter if you're an aid worker or not, but because of just um, previous relationships um, in that um, geographical region, we were able to uh, fund fund them, fund restaurants in the Philippines to serve there without us being on the ground. And that's a big part of what World Central Kitchen does. I mean, there's a, um, they have a chef relief training that they've built out. I think they're doing a, a training um, World Central has a, a warehouse up in Oxnard, so not too far from Los Angeles, you know, to train uh, chefs who are going to go back and take those trainings back to their community. You know what I mean? Because that's great. That's, that's, how, that's, uh, that's how you scale and that's how you reach a, a lot exactly, of people. Exactly. It's yeah. exciting. I mean, it's been something in the works for a long time. They've started to do it at some culinary schools, but, you know, exactly. That's, that's to me, educating the next person in, in these towns um, is how is how sort of the systems scale yeah. and grow without being on the ground. Yeah, and, and any last thing you wanna to say to the, the entrepreneurs who are listening, um, who may have gone through some stuff, you know, it's not the exact same as having a hurricane hit your, hit your house or a tornado, but it could feel that way emotionally and you kind of have to build back up is there anything that you've learned over the past few years there yeah i mean you know one thing in these in the times during the pandemic i, I was i felt very lucky to um be able to to participate in sort of the uh, the the healing after it's like with these restaurants right a lot of, like restaurants service industry people are hospitality professionals they want to serve people they want to make people happy have a great experience and a lot of that was taken away i mean some of the experience of going to a restaurant right is the you know they, the decorations and it's the the whole from from the time you step through the door to the time you leave the experience and so um you know what we were able to do is sort of guide a lot of restaurants during their pivot to takeaway food. You know, these Michelin star restaurants are now doing takeout. Um, and some of them, you know, ended up, they liked it. You know, they said, okay, well now that we're coming out and now people can come to the restaurant, well, we're gonna keep this, what they call, you know, the ghost kitchen open because now we can do takeout. And that's, an, you know, it was a tough lesson, but now that, that that's another revenue stream for them. And, you know, I remember in March, we were like, look, every restaurant in every city is going to have a tough time and we can't help all of them, but let's do the best. Let's do as much as we can in devising, you know, coming up with like, okay, talking to restaurants in DC, if we give you $10, can you, you don't have to do a meal off your menu, but can you do a basic healthy meal? Like you mentioned with dignity that we can, that you can, someone can do takeout or we can have delivered somewhere. And, and they said, yeah, we can figure that out. And then it grew from DC to New York Chicago, Oakland, LA, and then, you know, hundreds of smaller cities. Um, so that was sort of, uh, I guess, just with entrepreneurs, and you and it doesn't have to be somebody running a restaurant to just, I feel like they have that special, you know, gene they can tap into and, and, and think about how to pivot in that way. Um, but if it doesn't come to you right away, what I always found is just like, um, even before I worked with World Central Kitchen, you know, doing doing uh, volunteering with those organizations was sort of a way to, by giving back, it just allowed me to to think in a different way than when I was, you know, doing research for pharmaceutical companies. Um, and there's nothing wrong with not having the answer right away. I just think um, doing acts of gratitude just sort of led mm -hmm. me to that, mm -hmm. and that could be in any space. Mm -hmm. So, where do you think you'll be in a year? Where will yeah, I be yes. in, a, in a year? Uh, 
I'm not sure. This is the first time in four years I've really had to think about that. I mean, DC is is my home, um, but I really uh, it's nice to to be out on the West Coast and be able to walk outside, <laughs> you know, in the nice yeah. weather. And um, we did a we have a kitchen down in Tijuana where we feed, feeding asylum seekers that are stuck for two years now across thirteen shelters. So I can still involve myself in that. Um, you know. I don't know. I'm 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 looking a lot at uh, the grassroots orgs in LA, uh, talking to them. You know, you and I both have friends who are in the Web three space, which we could sort of we could talk another hour or two about. And and one thing I think about with that is I, I have a cursory knowledge, but what I what I see too is the potential for an unfortunate gap in that knowledge to where maybe the large organizations know about it and how to take in donations where the small organizations don't have the bandwidth or somebody to talk about. So I'm thinking a lot about the education space and with that and what I can bring to the table too, just because of the, like I said, a lot of the, a lot of the folks that we probably know in common who are in that space, I've, I've learned a lot and that's privilege, right? So I want to pass that along to folks who maybe aren't, you know, seeing all this stuff like we are on Twitter all day and mm -hmm. how, to, how to learn about, about what is going to be an important part, I think, in the future of both the regular economy, but also aid. I mean, um, actually, let me, there's a group I met in Haiti, Hope for Haiti, amazing organization. They're working with a, a company called Cello, which, you know, is a crypto company, have a stable coin, but they inflation is a huge deal right in venezuela haiti a lot of countries like that they're equipping um heads of households with a digital wallet with the coin and they're they're working with local vendors so that they can spend that there you know they don't need to worry about the price of goods or having a whole bag full of paper cash it's not really worth a lot and so that's one thing when i talk that when you know a lot of people don't like to talk about digital currencies or crypto, but I said, well, look, this is like something that could really help a lot of people in a lot of countries. So um, I've been thinking about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Mm, that's very interesting with that background and, and um, the people you're, it's kind of like your, your gap year. You're, you're sort of meeting with <laughs> a bunch right. of people and, and taking in, you don't know where it's going to take you. And I think that's going to lead to the best, the best yet to come, you know, and maybe helping even more people, which would be incredible. That's Very cool. I appreciate your time. And I appreciate this. I'm going to take this to different places at different times. And I think it's going to be really helpful and uh, impactful. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it too. It's just, it's an honor to talk to you and, and uh, I'm going to check out Gooder and uh, I'm going to send, you know, higher runner to folks I know who I, I think it will really be helpful for them. I just think it's, you know, a, a, it's a great concept. So thank you, Ariel. It's amazing. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Take care. You too. Bye.